again, everybody. It is time for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, it is hate week. And it always gets here way too soon. It does. It does. It's one of these things where these teams, you knew they were going to be on a collision course all year long, and you just kind of watched your team's games. You caught caught some games and some pieces of games of the other team. And meanwhile, time was just uh, blowing past us, and here we are, Thanksgiving week, as you and I record this. Yeah, and here's the strange thing, is that this might be, I don't want to say the last time, but one of the last times where this is not part of, you know, like a Big Ten championship, or or possibly even like a, a college football playoff pairing. So, I mean, this is certainly going to be, it's always, it's always, the game is always a big deal, but like, this is going to be kind of nostalgic in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. And and also I, I feel like the, you know, you're always, res- everybody's kind of always resistant to change to some respect, but I really not looking forward to any type of back-to-backs. It's like, you know, there's no divisions top two teams you play one team beats the other team. Now one team's got one loss. The other team's undefeated. You go play again the next week. Yeah, that it will certainly take a lot of the luster off. I mean, I guess if there's any, you know, possibility of without the divisions that, you know, with USC coming in and Penn state, not having to necessarily play possibly both Ohio state and, and Michigan, you know, who's to say that it will always be Ohio State and Michigan? More than likely, you know, I, I'm anticipating Ohio State, Michigan playing, winding up back to back. But we'll see. I mean, with the with the the incoming teams and no divisions, things can change drastically. It'll be interesting to see what they do because it's going to be difficult to it's going to be difficult to wrap your head around if the Big Ten decides. We're going to rotate everything. So even though it's a it's a story rivalry, maybe it doesn't happen every year. And on the other hand, you know, there'll be an outcry that's got to happen every year. So if it does happen every year, both of those teams are somewhat um unfairly handicapped in a way that other teams aren't. Right. Yeah. I I mean, there's there's so much speculation as to how the Big Ten is going to do this. More what I one of the things that I have I've heard about is protected rivalries where Ohio State would have, you know, for example, that they would always play Michigan and that they would always play Penn State. But then there are certain teams, for example, like Iowa, from what I from what I understand, they want to be able to play Wisconsin. They want to be able to play Minnesota. They want to be able to play Nebraska. So it's like, okay, well, how many protected rivalries can a a certain team have? That's all being negotiated by the higher ups. And we're just not privy to that knowledge as of yet. Yeah. I think the protected rivalry against Michigan will be in the big 10 championship game. (laughs) Uh, I I think it'll still be a regular season game. That's just my prediction. All right. Well, probably, but we uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because first we have to talk about whatever that was on Saturday in uh, college park when Ohio state went to play the Maryland Terrapins. And this was a game that both of us had a a pretty wide point spread. It ended up 43 to 30, a much more Difficult game than we kind of uh, expected, even though I think we talked a good game about as 
as good as Maryland has been at home versus on the road. They we, we talked about the fact that they only had one loss at home, and that was to Purdue, and that was largely because they had a two-point conversion called back and had to do it again and didn't make it the second time. So there were some extenuating circumstances to that, but they had also played at Michigan very well and only lost that game because they fumbled the opening kickoff. So uh, it was always going to be tough, but Maryland was not playing its best football the, the two previous weeks. They were both on the road. They were coming off a shutout against Penn State, and and that, I think, was bad for Ohio State because anytime you get shut out and just absolutely outclassed like Maryland did the week before the Ohio State game, that's going to be a tough week of practice. That's going to be a lot of focus. I agree. And something that Mike Loxley said at his press conference leading up to the game against Ohio State, something along the lines of they really were going into Maryland was going into this game as though they had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they already knew that they they had their their six wins. So bowl eligibility. I mean, all of that kind of concern. All right. That's taken care of. Obviously, they wanted to win the game. Obviously, they wanted to represent themselves better against Ohio State than they have in previous seasons. So give credit to Mike Loxley, his coaching staff, and the players because I, they certainly had a really good competitive game plan that that kept Ohio State on on it, you know, on its toes throughout throughout most of that game. Mm-hmm. You and I are not Maryland football beat writers, uh, or we may have asked Mike Loxley. Why not approach every game like there's nothing to lose? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think the secret for for Maryland, I, I guess, if I is as objective as I can possibly be coming out of this, is that uh, going into the off season, and again, like they still have, you know, their their rivalry game against Rutgers, their contrived rivalry game against Rutgers, um, and a bowl game and recruiting and all that kind of good stuff. Is I would think, you know, you brought up the fact that, all right, they lost to Michigan by a touchdown at Michigan earlier in the season. They went toe to toe with Ohio State for pretty much, you know, four quarters until eventually losing. So I think psychologically, they have to think they are certainly capable of of keeping pace with, let's just say, you know, with the with the the two pace setters of the conference. All they have to do now is figure out what do we need to do to, to close that gap on the defensive side of the ball, you know, get better at running the ball, those kind of things, because they they certainly, that passing game was certainly giving Ohio State fits. Yeah, and um, well, well, we'll talk about that a little bit as we move through this. The final score was 43 to 30. Nice little cosmetic touchdown at the end of that game from Steel Chambers. And uh, your prediction chip was 35 to 14 Ohio State and mine was 42 to 16 Ohio State. So since Maryland scored 30, I came closer on that end and I came within one on the Ohio State score. So I'm going to I get to claim victory this week. Good for you. Yeah, it's sometimes uh, sometimes a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) What they tell me. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So it, things looked very easy early on, and maybe they were a little too easy as Ohio State came out with uh, a seemingly healthy Travion Henderson and went right down the field with no problem at all. And, and finally, putting the ball in the end zone, C.J. Stroud throwing to uh, Henderson, and he looked very fit as he burst through the, the Maryland secondary and into the end zone, was no noticeable limp then. And uh, Ohio State went up 
seven nothing. And this is a thing that I think has been missing from Ohio State's offense all season is being able to throw the ball to the running backs because Mayan Williams can't catch. Dallin Hayden has so far not shown an ability to catch. Really, he's he's caught a couple balls, but Henderson is your is your primary target out of the backfield as a receiver unless you play Xavier uh, or Xavier uh, Johnson more back there, which they they only give him a few snaps a game. So to me, this has been a big thing that's been missing from Ohio State's arsenal from the from the overall attack, and and it just makes this offense even that much more difficult to stop. But you saw it on this drive. Right. As far as Dallin Hayden and let's just say like the inability to catch the ball out of the backfield, like you said, it's only been a couple. I think that might be, I'm just going to say, you know, from a a lack of overall usage, uh, you know, that Dallin Hayden, I mean, I've been, I've been saying he needs to be more involved in the game, you know, in, in the games. Now I know we're going to talk about it here in relation to Maryland. Um, much, much more than he has been. Um, so who's to say, I mean, with, with the game against Michigan coming up, who's to say that that might be a new wrinkle to the offense. Like you said, that they, that we haven't seen a lot of mm-hmm. and Dallin Hayden might be one of those beneficiaries. Yeah. Only took a minute, 32, 31 yard pass to Henderson. Uh, most of that on, uh, on Henderson after catching the ball downfield. So a uh, good opening for the Buckeyes, but then, Maryland came down the field and made some plays and scored a field goal to make it 7-3. And then really the annoying part of the game began in earnest, Chip, in terms of, I don't know how many times this has happened, and I don't know why it keeps happening, and and nothing that Ryan Day has said is satisfactory. But Ohio State comes off the sideline for the very first play of a drive and gets a delay of game penalty. Uh, they, in fact, got a delay of game penalty on their PAT after the first touchdown. I don't know why this keeps happening, but it's it's stupid. Nobody else seems to have a problem with this. I'm just going to speculate, and I'm, it's not going to be a satisfactory answer. And that's I, I'm just going to speculate. I'm sure you've heard the expression, overanalysis leads to paralysis. And I think that might be a case of it where it's like, okay, well, they're coming out with this personnel. So should we do this? Should we do that? What about this? You know, like in, and too many cooks in the kitchen, possibly on the headset. And the next thing you know, like you said, delay of game. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's not that complicated. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you, you practice all week, come out with your play. If you're going to be, you know, in terms of what you want to be doing for the, like you said, for the PAT, all right, who's our personnel? Let's get out there. Okay, okay, this, like you said, I mean, it's it's extremely frustrating. And with better opponents on the horizon, they can't continue to make such foolish penalties. No, and this this drive started off behind the eight ball because of that, behind the chains, and then you get a false start, and then you're even further back, uh, and a couple incomplete passes, and now you're three and out, and. Um, not a great punt from Jesse Murko gives Maryland pretty good field position. They come down, get very close to scoring a touchdown, but they have to settle for another field goal, and it's uh, seven six. Yeah, this is kind of where you know that a lot of people were just kind of thinking, okay, is Ohio State guilty of looking ahead? I mean, they just were not sharp throughout most of that first half. Yeah, but a lot of it was really self-inflicted because they were sharp to start the game, and then then they suddenly weren't after that. But uh, uh, seven six Ohio State comes down and then scores a, t- uh, a field goal to go up ten to six. 
uh, to start the second quarter. And so you're starting to think, okay, they're going to, they're getting it going because their first, first drive was good. Second drive, not as good, uh, but they were able to uh, put another field goal on the board, but then uh, they fall behind, they fall behind 13 to 10 before halftime. And this was, uh, you know, some of, some of this was uh, Talia Tagovailoa being good. And some of it was getting, again, giving free yards away. Teron Vincent got a, a face mask penalty. I believe it was on this drive, and that helped move the ball down the field further. And you don't want to give teams free yards. And incidentally, that was the seventh penalty of the first half for the Buckeyes. Like I said, very sloppy. I mean, we already we've been talking about the delay of game penalties, but you know, again, Teron Vincent certainly should know better. I I, I realize sometimes these things are inadvertent, but you can't give up. You know. Um, you know, abundant yardage to a team that is offensively, you know, as, as offensively formidable as Maryland. Yeah. Everybody's now yelling at me because it was, it was JT Tuimolowal who had the face oh, mask that's, penalty. That's right. Uh, that's Teron right. Vincent had a penalty later. That was the seventh penalty of the half when he uh, gave a late shove af- well after the whistle uh, and got a, uh, an unsportsmanlike pe- uh, conduct penalty. So 13-10, Ohio State gets the ball. They drive to about midfield. They get a third and one. And Ryan Day does a thing that I hate, which is make it easy for the opponent to know what you're going to do. When it's third and two, you should be just as likely or maybe even more likely to run the football as to throw the football. But when you go empty set and you know C.J. Stroud has not run a whole lot of uh, quarterback draws this year, you're basically telling Maryland, uh, you don't need to worry about the run. We're just going to throw the ball. I've said for years that to me, Anytime that you get into, you know, second and, you know, second and two, third and two, that your whole playbook should be wide open. Mm -hmm. It should not be, it should, like you said, it should not be that completely, you know, like, as you said, you know, like he, Ryan Day let Maryland know and has let other opposing teams know what, what they're doing by going empty set. I think you should, you should keep all of your options on the table. I don't mind if you come out and you give that look and then maybe you bring, um, you know, like I said, Xavier Johnson or somebody over into the backfield, at least give them that split second of, are they going to run? Are they going to pass that split second might be all you need to do to pick up those two yards. Exactly. Xavier Johnson would be a, a, a good person for that. The versatility yeah. that he presents. The other problem was after the first touchdown in this first half, the, the other problem was after the first touchdown, it became obvious that there was a, a bit of a limp in, um, Travion Henderson, whether he got hurt in the celebration, I don't know. He looked really good on the touchdown. So I know that he got the, uh, the typical lift up from the, uh, from his uh, offensive line. I don't know if he gets stepped on. I, I don't know if he heard it in the celebration, but, um, or, or if he just didn't start limping until maybe he did something during the run and didn't start limping until after, but, uh, from the rest of the half, he was not looking himself and, he was bouncing plays that were, you know, there was opportunity to just run up in there and get two or three yards and maybe even pop through the line and, and get a big uh, run out of it. But he just didn't look comfortable. At one point he looked frustrated and looked like he was yelling at the sideline. I don't know if they were telling him, stay out there, stay out there. Maybe he, he knew, knew he needed to come off. I'm just speculating, but he was frustrated about something. And, you know, Ryan Day said a couple of weeks ago, I got to get Dallin Hayden more involved. Well, you've got one healthy scholarship running back who proved against Indiana comparable uh, defensive talent level to Maryland, 
that he can get the job done. And you didn't bother to try until, you know, beating your head against the wall for two quarters. Yeah. I mean, truth be told, I was extremely surprised when the part, the, the, the player participation report came out on Saturday that, that Travion Henderson was going to play. And it didn't surprise me that mine Williams wasn't. Mm-hmm. I just, I've always been of the mindset, okay, you know, at this time of year, everyone's going to have a certain collection of bumps and bruises, some more severe than others. Knowing that the Michigan game and potentially the Big Ten championship was on the horizon, why you didn't have enough faith in Dallin Hayden to, you know, to step up and and be the the player that we've seen flashes of. So, uh, you know, it's very I, I can understand if Travion Henderson has some frustration because being put out there not necessarily a hundred percent, and then you know it was visibly obvious to to you, to me, to anyone that was watching the game wasn't going well visibly obvious to most of us that were watching the game (laughs) people maybe on the sideline and in the press box that weren't picking up on it i guess but exactly uh it's frustrating because it it seems obvious and yet those those changes don't get made and i don't know what it is that that is going on in their heads that uh, the other thing too is we're seeing again throughout the first half when the run game wasn't working too well a lot of outside zone Whereas against Indiana, they ran a lot of downhill runs with Dallin Hayden. And maybe that's because that's uh, what his style is best suited to do. But that was very successful. Dallin Hayden basically got 100 yards and a half. I, I don't understand why you don't go to that or at least mix some of it in if you're not going to go completely to it. I'm going to take it one step further. I don't think it's not only Dallin Hayden's uh, best. I think it might be the offensive line's best. I think you're right. But- <laughs> you know, right. instead of instead of trying to move, you know, three hundred something plus men sideways and having them having them give up, you know, probably what is their some of their best attributes as linemen? How about just going straight ahead? And I mean, we've seen that it worked with Mayan Williams when he was healthy, mm-hmm. and, and I know we're going to talk about the second half with Dallin Hayden. I think that's what they need to get back to. Yeah. All right. So it's thirteen ten. Ohio State punts the ball after that third and one failure. Third and two. Uh, and uh, Maryland's kind of pinned deep until again Teron Vincent takes that that penalty, but they're still pretty deep in their own half. And Ohio State gets uh, you know, a stop, uh, stops a run on first down, gets a sack on second down. There's time now to get a third stop. There's timeouts on the board, time to get a stop, maybe get decent field position to get a, a in the field goal range. Ryan Day doesn't want points. Screw that. Uh, just let the clock run. I know. Very, very frustrating. I'm sure the 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 beat writers that will be in attendance tomorrow, um, unless there, there, there's already been an edict that, okay, they're just asking questions about the Michigan game, might be asking him about his clock management at that point. <sighs> a cynical man would say, what clock management? <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I am that cynical man, Chip. But, yeah, it, so they go into the half down 13-10 in my opinion, potentially unnecessarily, um, but they're down and, you know, Maryland, a lot of momentum coming out of the the half, but chip, the third quarter belonged to the Buckeyes. The the Buckeyes defense stepped up in the third quarter, made some big plays, another block punt from uh, Lathan Ransom. And uh, again, uh, Xavier Johnson scooped it 
But again, he didn't score. We're good at the blocking and the scooping, but not the scoring. But you have to admit, sometimes you see a lot of teams that are so good at at blocking, but then they they give up, you know, in terms of getting the possession of the of the ball, which is so crucial. You know, sometimes I I, I don't be wrong. I would love to see the scoop and score as much as anybody, but um, I, I was just grateful that Xavier Johnson was in the right place at the right time. Sure. And as far as Lathan Ransom. Uh, how tough is he considering I, he broke his broke his thumb on the very first play of the game? I, I can only imagine blocking a punt did not necessarily make that feel any much better. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't remember which uh, player it was, but they said, uh, oh, Zach Harrison. They also mentioned that Tommy Eichenberg was playing with two broken hands. Maybe we should just start you know, breaking everyone's hands on Ohio state's defense, you know, if that's what you, you know, like if that's kind of what the end result, you know, like, you know, Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg, the way he's been playing with two broken hands. I mean, it's, it's outstanding. Yeah. It's a little, little crazy. So uh, Buckeyes come out, they get a a Dallin Hayden eight yard touchdown run. Um, They end up getting a Noah Ruggles 47 yard field goal. Dallin Hayden runs for three-yard touchdown, and uh, this is a big third quarter for the Buckeyes. They they win that quarter 17-0, and uh, they now take a 27-13 lead, and you, you're feeling like, okay, normal service has been restored. You are, but I'm also thinking this is where you just need to burn the clock. I mean, this it, it's at this point, all right, yeah, I want points, and I want, you know, a nice comfortable win, but I also want, all right, you've got, you've got a 27, 13 lead. Let's just get out of here with the win and get back to Columbus and start making our preparations for Michigan. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the defense uh, did not play in the fourth quarter the way that they played in the third quarter and Maryland was able to come back and score a touchdown. They went for two, which was interesting considering the time that was left on the clock, but maybe the thought was, we don't want it to come down to half to going for two for the win. We'll go for the two now. We'll stop them, and then we'll get a regular touchdown and extra point to win the game later. But I thought that was an interesting call by Mike Loxley. Yeah, I mean, he, going back to what I said earlier, I mean, he was kind of approaching it with a mindset of nothing to lose. And, and all right, like you said, you know, probably interesting timing, but he just wanted to try and get points in, in case he needed them at the end. Yeah. So uh, not a big problem for Ohio State to come back down and score. Dallin Hayden again is, uh, gets a hat trick. It's his 13-yard <laughs> uh, touchdown run. And Chip, it happens again. They line up to go for two, and you can see the clock running down, and no one calls a timeout. C.J. Stroud doesn't notice it. Ryan Day doesn't notice it. Someone's job to notice the play clock, and I think both of those guys are on the list. And as soon as the two point conversion is blocked. Now the momentum is back in Maryland's corner. They've got the home crowd. They've got the enthusiasm, the belief that they can pull off the upset. I mean, it was just, just a horrible series of events right there for Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, again, you're jumping ahead of me. I wasn't even to that part. Yet. Sorry. It was, it was maddening because you've got a two point conversion coming up. They moved the ball to the left hash mark. I don't know if that was supposed to reset the clock or if the game officials were supposed to stop the play clock to do that. They didn't do it. But either way, everybody in the stadium could see the play clock. 
And you're Ryan Day, what are you doing with your timeouts if you're not going to use them when you absolutely need to have them? And and he didn't use them. And then the so that changed the decision. And as you mentioned, they go to kick the extra point, which has not been a problem all year. But of course, in this case, it was gets blocked and goes 80 yards the other way for two, which was a pretty significant score because then it, it came down to a, a three-point game later in the game because of that. And all you had to do was not give up two points. Even if you don't get the extra point or the two-point conversion, just don't give up two the other way and you're still in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, it was the the tension was certainly and the anxiety was certainly rising at this point of the game. Yeah, and it was just really maddening. Uh, and then, of course, Maryland makes some big plays. They get down the field. Ohio State holds them. They get to a fourth and goal. They go for it, and they score on the fourth down play. Like I said, tension, tension's rising. Yeah, it was not a banner day for the secondary um, at times in this game. And uh, it was it was curious because it, we do know that Tiger Vailoa is a, is a good quarterback. But a lot of this, again, was self-inflicted, especially in the first half, I thought, because the, I don't understand why the corners were playing so far off of uh, off of the uh, the receivers, but they were. They were playing pretty far off. I know. It was, again, like I said, very frustrating. So yeah. uh, The Buckeyes added a late field goal, Noah Ruggles, and uh, you know, at least then you made Maryland have to score a touchdown to beat you, and then all of a sudden, Zach Harrison took over the game on two consecutive plays, and on the second one, he forced... Uh, a fumble that Steel Chambers caught in the air and scored to uh, to close out the scoring. So Buckeyes win. I did for the second time this year call for a and game icing pick six. Uh, I didn't get it this time because they ruled it a fumble, but I think it's close enough, and I think I might be a wizard. That's fine. That's fine. And Zach Harrison for all of the teeth gnashing and complaints by Ohio State fans wanting him to be dominant. He certainly did a, a reasonable job of being dominant when Ohio state fans certainly needed it or wanted it with back-to-back plays at the tail end of the game to, to ice the game for Ohio state. Yeah. That's how he was a few games back. He had a big game and we thought maybe this is what launches his, uh, his season. And uh, then he kind of disappeared again, but he, he resurfaced when the, the team needed him. Uh, let's quickly get the, some of the stat highlights. Dallin Hayden went for 146 yards and three touchdowns on 27 carries. Uh, Travion Henderson, who left the game early, uh, ended up with 19 yards on 11 carries and had the receiving touchdown, obviously. Emeka Egbuka was the big receiver, six catches for 82 yards, uh, but only one touchdown. That was Henderson. Harrison had a good game, 68 yards receiving, uh, made some big catches. And uh, including right off the bat in this game with the first one where he was being interfered with and still caught it anyway. And then, and then the refs decided to not call interference for the rest of, uh, well, about three quarters of the game. And, um, and that made things a little tougher for Ohio state, but uh, they got through it and they survived uh, probably not quite as nervy as uh, the games with with Michigan and TCU that came down to the very last play but close enough uh, that we were we were not happy with what was going on at the time your pick to click on offense chip was Xavier Johnson 
Uh, I don't think Xavier quite made it to the click list. No, didn't. Nope. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> uh, he had some nice kick returns, though. I will say, I mean, if they had listened and, and maybe they would have a healthy Travion Henderson if they had listened to the podcast. That's all I can say. <laughs> maybe. Maybe so. I had Egbuka. I'm going to go ahead and give him a click for the 82 yards. Uh, considering the the difficulty throwing the ball on Saturday. So uh, that brings us to the defensive side of the ball, Chip, where I had Tommy Eichenberg, who always clicks, and he led the team in tackles with 13, had a TFL. So he clicked. You had Ronnie Hickman, who was tied for second. So we're giving him a click as well. And uh, one of these days, one of us has to pick Lathan Ransom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Duly noted. All right. Uh, that'll wrap up our, our recap of the Maryland game. We've, uh, of course got to give our predictions and our picks to click for the Michigan game this weekend. We'll take our weekly walk through the big 10 other scores and, uh, see what everybody's doing. As we know, nobody wants to win the big 10 West. So we'll go and check to see who screwed up this week. And, uh, we're going to get to our guest. We're going to do all of that right after this. And we are back, Chip, and we are joined today by David Wokers. He's a football writer for Maze and Brew, SB Nation's website covering the Michigan Wolverines. David, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Thank you so much for your time this week. Of course, it's Thanksgiving week. It's the uh, it's rivalry week. It's hate week, whatever you want to call it. And uh, <laughs> we are here to talk about... Uh, a, a pretty significant game between Ohio State and Michigan, maybe the most significant since 2006. And uh, we want, I just want to start off by asking the important question, not that I'm going to believe anything until I see who's on the field on Saturday, but what is the latest on Blake Corum's knee? So what we heard in the press conference today was that Basically, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We heard nothing in the press conference today. Um, well, Angelique Changeless of the Detroit News had heard over the weekend was that from Blake Corn's mouth directly was that he was quote unquote good and will be quote unquote back. Um, but there was no timetable attached to that, obviously, and Jim Harbaugh did not give one. Um, I just saw a tweet about three minutes ago from his radio show inside Michigan football that he had also been asked about it on that show. And he said he might play, he might not play. (laughs) So there you go. That's, uh, that's the status right now. Me personally, I would lean towards believing that unless he does not practice at all. And this is the same with um, his RB two Donovan Edwards Unless they don't play it, practice at all, um, they will probably play in the game. The question will be, are they 75, 80, 90, whatever percent? Okay. So I've got a question about another mystery player in terms of like the health. And it's all right if, if, if it's still falling in that category of maybe he'll play, maybe he won't. And that's tight end uh, Luke's uh, schoonmaker. Uh if he's unable to go, is the next man up Colston Loveland, or how do you how do you envision that? 
Well, when so two weeks ago now against uh, Rutgers, I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on the team. But when Luke Schoonmaker first came out, um, it was Colson Loveland who started. Um, he had a pair of catches in the game. He had a catch last week against Illinois. Um, we were kind of surprised not to see them run Luke Schoonmaker out against Illinois. We had heard that he would be available um but there were a multitude of factors that went into that a lot of people who probably could have played against illinois did not play against illinois for obvious reasons Mm. so obviously that was a a a bigger scare than you guys were expecting from the (laughs) illini illini have have, have not won since playing nebraska famously Mm. (laughs) The, the nebraska curse has hit the illini but in this game, um, Michigan struggled to basically do much offensively other than the first drive. What what do you attribute that to? Was was there? I mean, I, I can speak to the Ohio State side. We think we struggled because there were you know some obvious penalties in the first half, some some mm-hmm. stubbornness on the coaches' parts on 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 what they were doing. What was Michigan doing that wasn't working, or what were they not doing that they should have been? So I think if you asked three different people in the Michigan fan base, you would get three different answers. <laughs> um, one person would probably point to JJ McCarthy. Um, he overshot a lot of his throws in that game, a lot of very important throws in that game. Um, another person would say, well, it wasn't so much him overshooting his receivers as the receivers not catching the balls. Um, and that was also true because there was a pretty important um, late stage throw to third string Isaiah Gash uh, right in his chest, didn't catch it. And it would have been a touchdown if he had. Luckily, he redeemed himself later on, but it was it was a very obvious miss. Um, and then a third person would probably say it was the play calling. Um, and that has been a struggle all year. Um, it has been an open question all year because as it stands, Michigan currently has two offensive coordinators, Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore. And there have been questions from Joel Klatt, most notably, but other people as well, about who is calling the plays in certain situations. So who's calling it in the red zone? Who's calling it in the two-minute drill? Situations like that. and. From my perspective, all three are correct. Um, but the biggest problem was losing Lycorum to injury, not having Donovan Edwards out as well. Um, that revealed a lot of what we expected were deficiencies. They opened those up to prove, yeah, not only are these deficiencies, these are pretty big problems. And if Blake Horman, and Donovan Edwards don't play, what do you do? And the answer is not a whole lot, apparently. Not a whole lot. Well, let's talk about somebody who is healthy and who I think is an underrated element of the Michigan offense. Uh, I'm actually happy to see that he has come back um, after missing all of uh, last year, Ronnie Bell. Could you kind of give our our listeners an idea in terms of like what kind of a threat he poses as a receiver for opposing defenses? So what Ronnie Bell gives you, um, right now I believe he is the 
team leader in receptions and receiving yards. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if he's the elite team leader in receiving TDs. It's fluctuated a bit over to games, but he's just a very steady hand in the offense. Um, he won't make a, he won't make a lot of drops. He won't, you know, he won't make flimsy plays. Um, honestly, though, one of his biggest scenes on Saturday, last Saturday, was his punt return game. It came back for the first time since his ACL injury in 2021. Um, Harbaugh had a very humorous comment in the postgame presser. He was like, okay, Ronnie, we know you're catching punts today. Just fair catch them. Like, don't get hurt again. And he was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And it ended up in the fourth quarter and ended up being a major factor as if he had not had that 30, 40 yard punt return, Michigan would have started on the opposite side of the field. Um, we don't know whether or not he will be catching punches, not catching punches, hopefully not catching punts against the, uh, against Ohio state. I would, it depends on if our normal punt returner, AJ Henning is available. If he isn't, then it will probably for Michigan. It will probably be, Rome or not Roman Wilson, Ronnie Bell again. Um, and he will likely that will be um the biggest factor in what the special teams looks like. That will probably be his biggest factor. David, obviously, Michigan's uh, success this year has largely been a result of playing very good defense. Lost some uh, key players last year. Um, some things have changed on that defense, but the defense has has been as good uh, as last year. So what are some of the things that the team is doing better this year? What are some of the things that the team is not doing quite as well? And who are the players that have stepped up? Hmm. I would say the reason why you haven't seen as stark of a change in the defense because you know when Michigan lost you know Aiden Hutchinson David Ojabo you would expect the pass rush to have fallen off you haven't really seen that and I think a big part of it is Jesse Minner the new defensive coordinator for Michigan um he he has been far better than almost anybody expected, even in the highest of expectations. Um, his second half adjustments have been crucial. And I do mean crucial in the, how games have shaped up and played out for Michigan. And I think he just, the way he has structured that defense of, you know, not sticking, because the problem with, like not before Mike McDonald, Don Brown, the problem with Don Brown was Dr. Blitz. He only blitz was all blitz, whatever. When Mike McDonald started last year was like a multiple defense that could do different things on the field. And Jesse Minner has not only continued that he has improved upon that and he has grown it so that guys like Mike Morris, um, Yabi, Yabi Oki, uh, Mike Sandra still, um, these guys who may not have had as big of a role in a different style, 
can still get on the field and contribute in a big way. So staying on the defensive side, I'm going to, and I'm, I would just want to make sure when we talk about Mike Samrasso, um, you, you just said in terms of, you know, like his role, is he going to be tasked with covering Marvin Harrison Jr. or, or do you anticipate somebody else in the secondary getting that? Um, That's a really tough one because Mike Samrasso, at least the best part of Mike Samrasso's game has been his nose for the ball off the ball in terms of finding the guy who has it and chasing him down. In terms of who will probably be covering him, uh, I it, with Harbaugh, anything goes, right? It could, will, I will say the one guy I'm really interested in seeing um, will be freshman Will Johnson. Um, he has He started the year, as most freshmen do, lower down on the depth chart and has become if not cornerback one then cornerback 1.5 um in terms of his ability to stick with a receiver has an eye for the ball doesn't let you know when when guys are going for it he doesn't look at the receiver he looks at the ball and knows where it's coming and that's something that this that the secondary has struggled a little bit with over the season, but not with Will Johnson. And so I don't know if they'll put him on the top receiver for Ohio state just because of how young he is. Um, but he certainly has skill and he certainly has the talent. David, you mentioned earlier that, um, Against Illinois, J.J. McCarthy was missing some throws. Uh, we've seen that throughout the year from time to time. Michigan is only ranked 99th in the country in passing offense. Uh, some of that is because it can run the football very well and doesn't need to throw as much. But in a game like this, every play matters, obviously. Uh, how confident are Michigan fans in J.J. McCarthy's ability this year based on what they've seen? Probably not as much as they were confident against in the opening games when we first knew that Jim was going to start JJ for the rest of the season for the Wolverines. Um, now there's a definitely more of a, okay, he's got the goods in a lot of areas, but can he finally put it all together? Um and one thing that he's been saying in press conferences is there's a lot of meat on the bone. You know, we're going to get better. It's we're just, there's just a piece that needs to be connected. And a lot of fans are like, well, it's game 12. Now, <laughs> if there's meat on the bone in game 12, it's not going to come off. Um, so I would say, People are op cautiously optimistic um, in terms of his ability to keep the game, keep the game in front of him, at least, I would say is a big thing. The question is, can he make those big throws, those super deep throws? So stay, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, one of the things that really impresses me about the Wolverines defensively is, is the defensive line, specific, specifically the interior defensive line. 
Can you tell our listeners kind of, you know, about the personnel there, like why mm. there's such a challenge, you know, when I look at, you know, some of the players there on that side of the ball. So you've really got two guys on the interior defensive line that are really, really doing a great job this season. You got Mozzie Smith, who is expected to be that guy, um, so-called athletic freak, according to <laughs> the athletic. Um, and then you got Mason Graham, who's the freshman. And he came in, I don't, I don't want to say he came in during spring ball, but he came in during summer ball and wowed the coaches almost immediately. Um, was named the starter before the season even started, which was a very big deal because very few freshmen get the name get to be named starters. Um, and so these got these two guys, what they give are like like the athletic said, they're both athletic freaks in a way of they are so strong as you would expect an interior defensive line to be, but they're so quick as well. And they make decisions on a dime. They're in the gap immediately. Um, and they, like I said, they've got the strength to not only get into the gap, but also to push the gap open enough for them to get through and to get in the backfield. David, we're going to put you on the spot here. Now we're going to ask you, what is the key matchup where that you think will decide this game on Saturday? And we're going to ask you to, uh, Put your reputation at risk and, and predict the final score. I would say the key matchup is going to be how Ohio State, if granted, this is if Blake Corum plays, I will say that right off the gate. The key matchup is, I mean, honestly, you could kind of say the key matchup is Blake Corum versus his knee in a sense, because if he doesn't play, this game changes on a dime. But if he does play, the key matchup is how will Ohio State's run defense either stop him and then they're in big trouble or they don't stop him and it's just a wide open game for the entire game. Um, with that being said, I think Ohio State's run defense, especially given Corn's injury, will do a pretty effective job of at least slowing Michigan down. Um, and it's going to be all up on J.J. McCarthy making those passes, those receivers besides Ronnie Bell n making those catches. Um, and with that being said, <laughs> I will say my personal prediction of the game is that it's going to probably be a three to five point game. Actually, no, I'm going to change it on the dime right now. It's going to be a touchdown for Ohio State, but it will come in overtime. Okay. Wow. That's that's very specific, David. So uh, if it happens, we're, we're going to have to call the authorities and find out <laughs> if there's been some some kind of uh, shenanigans. Mm -hmm. But uh, before we let you go, I do want to uh, thank you for your time, and I want you to tell our listeners where they can find you and your work and how they can find out more about Saturday's opponents as we uh, try to avoid our families on Thursday and, and look <laughs> at our phones instead. Yeah. So you, you'll can find me and all of our amazing, incredible writers here at Maze and Brew at www.mazeandbrew.com. You can also find us on Twitter at, at Maze and Brew. Um, it's a N, just an N, 
no and brew. Um, but yeah, it's an SB Nation community. I just like you guys, it's uh we're very proud to be part of that family of networks, as it were. All right, David Wokers, uh football writer from Maze and Brew. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And we look thank you for having me on you again. Look, yeah, for sure. Catching you down the line. Thank thanks so thanks. much. Th- thanks, David. All right. That was good. Got the scoop from the the folks who who follow Michigan the closest. Yeah, and he gave it to us straight. I mean, I I would I would certainly understand if the situation was reversed if you know when when you know when he was talking about Blake Corum. I mean, there there's certainly legitimate reasons for concern if you, you know, if you're going into this game as a Michigan fan, okay, because that that would truly hamper their offense if he's unable to go. Yeah, I wonder what it's like to be without your two top running backs. I know. Well, <laughs> or or if you're Ohio State, you're three top running backs. Exactly. Oh, this has not been a great season for injuries. That's that's for sure. So uh, um, one thing I do I did mean to ask, but I didn't ask because it may be seen as disrespectful is do those guys know that maize just means corn? I'm sure that they do. They I'm sure that that would them, not be the. They don't want to call yeah, them the corn and blue. And they don't want it. No, I'm sure that that's not the first or the last time that, that somebody has tried to throw that in their face. I am quite confident. So by using maize, is that cultural appropriation, Chip, do you think? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no. Okay. I need a ruling. Uh, but you, if you say no, then I'll, I'll go with it. But uh, uh, big thanks to David for his time. And um, you know, we appreciate him coming on and uh, giving us the, the scoop uh, or, or as much scoop as he's able to get. It right. Sounds like, sounds like injury news out of Michigan is not easier to come by than uh, than it is out of Ohio State. And I, I wouldn't I would expect nothing less. I mean, why would you? I, I believe Ryan Hayes, who's a Michigan offensive lineman, kind of raised some eyebrows, so to speak, on on you know by saying, "Oh, you know, about somebody else has to step up," which led people to, "Oh my gosh, Blake Corum is out, and mm-hmm. he misspoke." And um, I, I think David's assessment is correct. I think, you know, I'm sure they're they're feverishly working behind the scenes to see, okay, what's the likelihood of Corum being able to go? Uh, if he is able to go, like, like, you know, at what percentage, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that you would never divulge to Ohio state. Yeah. It may be a case of with what happened this past weekend and some of the chaos that's happened in college football. If David is right, and this is a one touchdown game in overtime, Michigan, may make the college football playoff anyway. Entirely possible. I it, it would be the kind of thing where, you know, obviously you wouldn't, you would, we've had this conversation before, you would prefer to uh, be able to chart your own destiny, sure. so to speak. Um, but um, yeah, a, a good showing, you know, I mean, you brought up the fact like the 2006 game, there were people immediately clamoring for a rematch in the BCS championship game, that was back when it was only two teams. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, now you're talking a, a field of four. Yeah. Who's to say that, you know, that if, if the Michigan Wolverines with their star player, possibly sidelined, uh, you know, p- possibly not a hundred percent 
that, you know, depending on if there are further upsets that they, that the college football playoff committee doesn't look at them and say, you know, they, they really do deserve another shot. I feel fine with, you know, why don't we just rewrite history now and go back and play Ohio state, Michigan again, and leave Florida the heck out of this. And, <laughs> um, and, cause I, I feel pretty good with, uh, going up against Mike Hart and Chad Henney. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, kind of where we started off at the beginning of the podcast, I think we're going to, the possibility of running into Michigan in a, in a neutral game settings, such as for the big 10 championship, or depending on how the college football playoff in terms of like the home game seedings, how that's going to work. Cause that's all still being haggled and negotiated. It's not entirely, you know, out of the, the realm of possibility that Ohio state and Michigan do this multiple times in one season. That is true. That is true. And then, you know, the sec we've, we've had that a few times. We haven't had that happen uh, in the, uh, the big 10 recently. So we'll, we'll have to see how it goes, but it's, it's time to take our weekly walk through the rest of the Big Ten results, Chip, because uh, we like to do that. We like to see how everybody else is doing and how how things are kind of shaping up, even though we really know there's there's one game that will decide the East and and no one knows what's going to happen in the West because just when you think you got it all figured out, it changes drastically. So uh, we will talk about – well, we may as well just start with Michigan because they – had a very interesting game against Illinois that was probably a lot more interesting than their fans would have wanted it to be. The Wolverines win it 19 to 17 as they come from behind with a couple of late field goals. A little bit of shenanigans in this game, Chip. There was a, I don't think Moody would have missed from further out, but there was a seemingly pretty obvious non catch that was not overturned on the field. Uh, but the big play on that drive was a pretty obvious block downfield by a, a receiver that cleared out the way for another receiver to make a first down on what I believe was a fourth down play. It was it was a fourth down play. Brett Bielema was not happy about it. Uh, you know, watching that game, and not that I I certainly would would prefer Michigan come into this game. Uh, 100% healthy, you know, I, I think, you know, you never want to see anyone get hurt. But I have been saying for weeks that uh, I thought Illinois was, I mean, they and they showed it too. Uh, they The physical toll <laughs> that they inflicted upon the Wolverines. I, I'm kind of curious as to how uh, certain players on Michigan are feeling because Illinois, I mean, they, they certainly, they were bringing some hits watching yeah. that game. Yeah, the Illini uh, look like they were going to try to grind this out. And Chase Brown surprisingly played. I did not think we would see him again this year after the way he went down a week ago. But he ran for 140 yards and two touchdowns. But I felt like they went away from Chase Brown in the fourth quarter more than they probably should have. And they may, may have been able to grind out a couple of first downs a minute and maybe even won this game. But uh, they were not able to hold on. They also... Uh, uh, the interesting thing here, though, is they gave up four field goals in the second half, only one touchdown the entire game. And, you know, you look at they had Blake Corum for a lot of that game, Michigan. And Illinois' run defense is rated pretty high, top 10 uh, run defense, but only giving up 14 fewer yards per game on the ground than Ohio State. So it's there's not a big discrepancy between those two run defenses. Yeah, I mean, 
I'd have to I'd have to look ahead of time in terms of uh, for next year if uh, Illinois and Michigan play because that would be something mm-hmm. uh, you know in terms of you know you want to talk about like a grudge match but yeah Illinois I mean they certainly Bielema was was quite animated on social media about the, some of those calls like you said and um, you know kind of what we've been referring to with the Blake Corum injury that was late in the first half. And it really put the Wolverines, you know, kind of in a, in a bind offensively. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Penn State played their biggest rivals, Rutgers, <laughs> on the road uh, this uh, this past weekend. They they had no trouble. It was again Rutgers able to hang for a while, but eventually the talent level rises, and and Rutgers is left with a fifty five ten loss after trailing fourteen ten after the first quarter. Uh, Penn State has quietly just taken care of business behind the scenes as, you know, just a team that is probably being penalized for being in the same division as Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, what I referred to earlier with the the potential dissolution of divisions within the Big Ten. Uh, You know, Penn State is on the doorstep of a 10-win season. And who's to say that, you know, depending on how they do in the season finale, um, maybe they get, you know, a, a premier new year's day bowl as a result of this. I mean, it, if let stranger things have happened, if, if you, you've been speculating about if Ohio state and Michigan both make the playoffs, maybe it's, it's Penn state gets a trip to the Rose bowl out of this. Who yeah. knows? I expect a very good, uh, a very good major bowl game for Penn state as they are, a team that travels well, uh, they get good ratings, and um, they are a very good team. Uh, they again, they may have lost only to playoff teams this year. Exactly. Um, Wisconsin went to Nebraska, and Chip, this game was looking for all the world like Wisconsin was just uh, declining being in the West race, and it was Nebraska leading this thing fourteen three after three quarters, but. A couple of late scores by Wisconsin, and they come from behind to win 15 to 14 uh, on a late Graham Mertz uh, quarterback run. And Wisconsin, four and four in the Big Ten, six and five overall. They get to bowl eligibility. But again, I'm not seeing a team that is that is really selling me on Jim Leonard. They might not be selling you, but I keep going back to the fact that I think that Wisconsin, they they wanted to see uh, when when things started kind of going south. Um, unfortunately for for Paul Christ, um, I think they wanted to see if Jim Leonard could re could rally the troops. I I can certainly understand your skepticism, but all indications are that this is basically even though Wisconsin has publicly posted this job, that it it's it's essentially it's Jim Leonard's. Well, we'll see what happens this week in the rivalry game. That's right. Uh, but yeah, they have they have scraped by some teams that they should easily beat, and they have lost some games they absolutely shouldn't have lost and, and not looked particularly good doing it. Uh, let us go to West Lafayette, Indiana, which is something that no one ever says, <laughs> uh, where Northwestern went to visit Purdue, and the Boilermakers get a 17-9 win. And again, this this game was an just an ugly, gross Big Ten West game. Purdue pulls it out, and Purdue kind of in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, which is not where you want to be, apparently. Well, they are, 
to a certain extent. Um, unfortunately for them with the, you know, the tiebreaker, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where I guess like on Saturday, from what I understand, you know, like all the, the myriad of possibilities, I know we haven't talked about Iowa yet, mm-hmm. um, but Iowa wins on Saturday, Iowa wins the Big Ten West. If Iowa loses to Nebraska and stranger things have happened, um, you know, Nebraska, you know, even though, I mean, like they they had Wisconsin down, but they couldn't close the deal. If Nebraska pulls off the upset, Purdue wakes up on this coming Saturday for their rivalry game against Indiana. And like you said, they're in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens on Friday. The main thing that you have to do when playing Iowa don't let their defense score. If you don't let the defense <laughs> score, they're not that hard to beat. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, so don't give up special teams and defensive touchdowns because if you make Iowa's offense beat you, uh, they're not going to do it. They just uh, have not shown that ability at all this season. So, yeah, I misspoke. They're not in the driver's seat, but they're knocking on the door. How's that? Yeah, they're they're probably the better team. Right. I would have... I would agree. I didn't mean to cut you off. I would say, as an Ohio State fan, I'd be more concerned if Purdue won the Big Ten West, yeah. just with their with their propensity to throw the ball all over the place. Um, that would be my concern. Yeah. I wouldn't be as concerned having faced Iowa earlier in the year. It's also very difficult to beat the same team twice in a year, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never easy. So I don't know. You can't really pick your poison because you got to get through this week first. Then you can just worry about who you're playing. Exactly. Uh, East Lansing, Michigan. That's the scene where the Spartans were trying to become bowl eligible after a very poor start to the season. And things looked good at the half. They were up 24 to 7. Things were looking great. uh, And then they weren't. Uh, They gave up a ton of points in the second half. Uh, 24 points they gave up in the second half, only scoring 7. And it went into overtime, and Indiana chip wins 39-31. Tom Allen looked like he won the Rose Bowl. And uh, poor Mel Tucker, they need to beat this, they need to beat Penn State to get the bowl eligible. And I don't see that happening. I don't either. And credit to, to Tom Allen. I mean, we were just talking about how Wisconsin and the skepticism around Jim Leonard. Uh, you know, Indiana, they could have phoned this this game in. Uh, they they could have, you know, basically said, ah, oh, the heck with it, and just, you know, rolled over, you know, and and let Michigan State have their way. You know, in the first half, it looked like that. Mm-hmm. Quite frank, quite frankly, the fact that they rallied and and won this game in in two overtimes, I think it speaks volumes about the kind of uh, program that Tom Allen he's trying to to build to the next level. They got a lot of work to do, but they they're kind of going on on a positive note, at least with this game against Michigan state. Yeah. Uh, finally in Minnesota, Iowa wins 13, 10 on a fourth quarter late field goal, uh, that was set up by an interception. Uh, it was a little controversial because, um, a interceptor Campbell was, uh, ruled to have, stepped out or whatever he was not and scored the touchdown, but they ended up having to kick the field goal. They win it anyway, but Minnesota, I mean, again, they were in the driver's seat, but now sort of it's again, Iowa and Purdue 
it's going to be one of those two, unless it's not, um, unless a lot of weird things happen. But it, it, Minnesota had 263 yards from Mo Ibrahim, and he only scored one touchdown, and they just couldn't put the ball in the end zone, weren't weren't able to score points. Yeah, I mean, to I, I'm kind of going on on a limb here. Mo Ibrahim, you know, in terms of, I mean, you want to talk about a workhorse, you know, the the way that Minnesota relies on him. It's such a shame you know, that he put in such, you know, I mean, an outstanding effort against Iowa, like you said, to, to see it basically squandered against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, uh, not a great game from Ethan Kaliak-Manis. Uh, nope. Uh, he was, he's no Tanner Morgan, apparently. <laughs> no, he's not. If you're not, if you're, if you're no Tanner Morgan, what are you even doing playing college football? <laughs> well, uh, not all of us get the advantage of six years, at, you know, at, you know, in terms of that's the thing is, is, you know, all kidding aside, you know, it's been such an unprecedented series of seasons for a lot of these guys, Tanner Morgan, especially, you know, that taking advantage of the COVID year, you know, Aiden O'Connell mm-hmm. at Purdue is the same is you know, like we, we talk about the perpetual legacy of Sean Clifford of Penn state. Um, so many of these programs, it just makes you wonder what are you going to do when you can no longer take advantage of the, of the six years, because we're coming up on that. Mm-hmm. where like these guys are no longer going to be able to stick around for forever in Minnesota. They obviously they need to, move on to another quarterback very, very soon. Yeah. Matthew Trickett missed a field goal in this game for Minnesota. And that obviously was costly. So um, yeah, Iowa back in it after just a ridiculous season that the Hawkeyes have had in terms of not having an offense and just winning games with one side of the ball. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's, you know, we can take a quick look at the standings as we go into the final weekend of the regular season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a crazy season. I can't, again, can't believe that it, that we're boiled down to the last regular season, uh, week, but here we are. And, uh, the standings look like this in the big 10 chip, uh, in the East, of course, Ohio state and Michigan on the collision course, eight, no, and 11 and 0 overall, both of them. And Ohio State will host uh, this weekend's uh, iteration of the game. Uh, Penn State is in third at six and two in the Big Ten and nine and two overall. Then you've got a little bit of a logjam. Uh, Maryland and Michigan State both three and five in the conference. Um, Maryland at six and five. They're bowl eligible. Michigan State five and six. They're not, and they probably won't be. And then a couple four and seven teams overall. The Hoosiers, who are two and six in the conference and Rutgers one and seven in the conference. It's been a long season in uh, those two cities. It has been, I mean, uh, you know, Rutgers, Indiana, I mean, they, they had a lot of coaching turnover during the season. I anticipate even more so once the season officially concludes for them this weekend. I mean, you, you mentioned the fact, you know, with, when it comes to, you know, Rutgers, they're four and seven. Uh, Indiana is also four and seven. They know that they're not going to a bowl game. Um, you know, so I think it wouldn't be surprising that, you know, the Shiano or uh, at Rutgers or Tom Allen at Indiana, they, that they, 
move quickly and swiftly to to make some staff changes because the early signing period is is coming up uh, mid December, and they want to you know make sure that they've got their staff in place to, to try and pitch to these recruits that they're talking to. Yeah, in the West, Chip, the Iowa Hawkeyes and Purdue Boilermakers five and three to lead the West. They are both seven and four. A couple other seven and four teams. Illinois Fighting Illini and Minnesota Golden Gophers, they're each four and four, along with the Wisconsin Badgers. The Illini really had an opportunity if they could have just held on against Michigan a little while longer. They had an opportunity to jump back into that Western race and, and seize momentum back with a signature win. They were not able to do that, but still a good season so far for Burt in uh, Champaign. And uh, then you know, the, the Badgers are not trending necessarily the right way, but uh, they still have a shot. And Nebraska, or at least I think they do, there's still a lot of football to be played on the weekend. I don't know how all the tiebreakers work out, but right now they're uh, they are now being shown in fifth, but sometimes these are like alphabetical too, and Wisconsin is at the bottom of the alphabet, as we know. Uh, Nebraska is three and eight overall and two and six in Big Ten play. They're out of it. Northwestern is one and seven and uh, one and 10 overall. They're, they're not good. Their Super Bowl was against Ohio State and playing within two touchdowns was their, was their, uh, their claim to fame this year. Yeah, kind of the same thing. I mean, I mentioned, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, you know, the speculation about, okay, is he on the hot seat? I don't think so, but there needs to be a massive, overhaul coaching staff wise in terms of what they're doing offensively and defensively, because this is two straight years of very poor performance by Northwestern Nebraska. I mean, the speculation in terms of who their next coach will be again, you want to get that guy, whoever it is hired because you only have a few weeks before the early signing period. And, you know, as of Friday afternoon for for Nebraska, their season is done. So that's why, you know, all eyes will probably be focused on Lincoln in terms of, you know, who's going to be the next person to try and turn that program around. Yeah. All right, Chip, it's time to talk about the game. Yep. So let's get a little bit, a little bit of stats in here. Uh, The Michigan Wolverines have the nation's ninth ranked scoring offense, 39.4 points per game the fourth best rushing offense at 243.8 yards per game, 99th in the country in passing offense, Chip, at 208.8 yards per game. Some of that can be attributed to a great running game. Some of that is J.J. McCarthy not making throws. And a total offense, Michigan ranks 23rd in the country, 452.6 yards per game. That's, that's a lot of yards. Absolutely. Yeah, this I mean, I I'm kind of surprised to hear 99th in the country in terms of the passing offense. That's certainly lower than I anticipated. But like you said, credit the Wolverines for uh, their offensive production is completely derived from their very, very, very good Mm -hmm. offensive line and running game. Honestly, if if. I think if Jim Harbaugh committed more to the passing game or to what works in the passing game, it would be a lot higher. For example, I watched the Illinois game and every time um, Loveland went across the middle, 
the linebacker would pass him off to nobody. He was open on every play. If they just ran that same crossing route over and over and over until Illinois, you know, figured out how to defend it, they might've had a huge game in the, uh, in the passing game, but, um, you know, he would just cut across the middle and the linebacker would, you know, reroute him, give him a little shove in the middle, but then no one would pick him up. He was just open every, every play I was watching that. It was just fascinating. Well, let's hope that, uh, that they don't figure this out between now and Saturday (laughs) afternoon. I would, I would hope Ohio state would pass off to an actual other defender rather than to air, but, uh, exactly. (laughs) But you never know. Um, Scoring defense-wise, uh, Michigan is second in the country, 11.7 points per game allowing. Uh, rushing defense, second in the country, 79.6 yards per game. Passing defense, uh, Michigan has very much improved. Fifth in the country, 161.7 yards per game. And total defense, first in the country, 241.3 yards per game they are allowing. that's uh, That flies right in the face with Ohio State's offense being uh, tied for first in the uh in the country and scoring offense and all of these uh, things that Ohio state's been able to do. They weren't, uh, they have had a couple of games down the stretch where they haven't been good. And yes, the Northwestern game was extremely windy and Maryland game was on the road. So we'll see how things shape up because Ohio state's going to need to score some points. And what the ideally what you want to do is make Michigan do what they don't want to do, which is have to throw the football to catch up. And the way that you do that is that, maligned defense and i i'm I'm using that term deliberately from a year ago ryan day saw fit to completely overhaul the defensive staff and they're i mean i i've been pleased but as you said you know in terms of like northwestern maryland say what you will about any of the extenuating factors as to why ohio state defensively did not look good this is the moment of truth for jim Knowles and that defensive staff this is why they were hired this is why uh, you know, Ryan Day uh, was was given, you know, free reign by Gene Smith uh, to adjust the coaching staff as he saw fit. And so we're going to see how this all turns out on Saturday afternoon. And one thing the team hasn't done defensively the last few games uh, much is to take the ball away. I don't think they had a takeaway against Indiana and against Maryland. It was, I think, the last defensive snap before they got a turnover. So. Um, they blocked a couple of kicks. They probably can't count on that against Michigan, but a uh, good special teams team also is Michigan. But you know they're going to have to maybe uh, steal a possession here or there uh, when Michigan's driving by creating a turnover. Now, that's not going to be easy for a couple of reasons. One is that when you run the football a lot, you tend to not have as many turnovers. But J.J. McCarthy also doesn't put the ball in harm's way. He'd rather tuck it and run. He's thrown for 14 touchdowns, only two interceptions all season. Um but, you know, his his passing, he's really a good short to intermediate passer. He's struggled when throwing deep down the field, especially uh, outside the hash marks. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked on previous podcasts about neither of us really getting involved in terms of like the whole like recruiting analysis. And from what I understand, and again, this might might just be recruiting hyperbole is that J.J. McCarthy was very interested in an Ohio State offer that never came. You know, that Kyle McCord was the was the recipient of the scholarship that, that, that J.J. McCarthy wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, J.J. McCarthy 
is playing Kyle McCord is not we're I'm I'm of the belief that it, you know Kyle McCord is is the front runner to eventually be Ohio State starter probably next year um it seems to me that all of Kyle Kyle McCord's abilities seem to fit what Ryan Day wants to do offensively better than what JJ McCarthy can do but this is this is an opportunity for JJ McCarthy to show Ryan Day hey you made the wrong choice Let's not do that. (laughs) I'm not not saying I want him to do it. I'm saying this is an opportunity for him to do that. Yeah. So, you know, we we've talked about Blake Corum. Obviously, if he's if he's anywhere near healthy, he's going to be in the game. Um, You know, he took a a knee injury against Illinois. You don't know the extent of it. I'm not buying anything that that an offensive lineman is saying. I'm not buying anything that anyone's saying publicly. We'll know on Saturday. Uh, whether or not he's going to play. And even if he dresses, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play. It might just be a, you still got to be ready for this kind of thing. But, um, you know, 1,457 yards, 18 touchdowns. He's he's played his way into becoming a Heisman, I'd say dark horse. I don't think he's a favorite at this point. But, um, you know, with, with Hendon Hooker going down, he could get that invitation to New York. He very well could. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, like you said, for Hendon Hooker, you know, it's unfortunate that his season has come to a, a conclusion with that with that ACL injury on on Saturday against South Carolina. Uh, the way I see him getting in more involved in the conversation is, you know, with the spectacular showing against Ohio State. This is your cue to say let's let's not see that. Yeah. Um, it's you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that he will be, he will be ready to go. I'm also of the belief that, all right, he's not going to be at a hundred percent. Um, I, same thing, like, you know, to, to point the finger or, you know, shine the light at Mayan Williams. We're like, if, if he's around, it's this exact same thing. He's not going to be a hundred percent either. Yeah. So. One thing that Ohio State fans like to say this year, at least on social media, from what I've seen, is they like to point at Michigan's strength of schedule as a reason why Michigan stats are where they are, or that they, you know, have won the amount of games they've won and that kind of thing. At the end of the day, you can only line up against the player, the, the teams that are on your schedule and play them. They've beaten everybody. A couple of them have been close, but they've handled their business and. One of the things that I've been impressed with Blake Corum is that, um, first of all, I think Michigan's a very good run-blocking offensive line. I think that helps tremendously. Uh, the other thing is that one of the things that Blake Corum is very good at is when he runs outside, especially to the right, he's got this little move where he makes you think you're gonna he's going to go inside on you, and even when there's a lot of space, and everybody buys that fake and. What he's really trying to make you do is to just hesitate or move a little bit so that he has enough room to use his speed to get around you on the outside. And he's gotten ripped off some huge runs that way. And even though a lot of these linebackers, a lot of these defensive players that have fallen for that move have help inside, they still lose their outside leverage. And he also takes, I mean, he takes advantage of just, as you said, like that, that terrific offensive line the Wolverines have being able, he's not, he's not that big of a guy. I mean, he's, I think he's probably listed like five, eight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so like being able to kind of almost disappear 
it's a little know, Maurice and, and, Claretish. Yeah. Well, in that, that response, in that uh, I, that respect. Yeah, I mean, like just you know, being able to, and then you know, being able to to cut, you know, through the 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 holes rapidly and be elusive. I mean, he he certainly poses a challenge for Ohio State. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, Donovan Edwards is uh, averaging almost seven yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns. The sophomore. Uh, I think people are just so happy that Blake Corum doesn't have the ball that they're like, oh wait, oh now we got to go tackle this guy. We forgot about that. Well, he's and, he's he's the receiver out of the backfield mm-hmm. component that that Ohio State, like you said earlier, is not. Uh, CJ Stokes, a freshman, is uh, is also got 268 yards and a touchdown. He's he may be end up, end up being the guy that's got to carry the mail if those two guys can't go. And that didn't look promising from from my perspective against Illinois. Now, granted, you know, you know, let's give credit to Illinois uh, for making things a little bit more challenging. But I don't think. I mean, we we talked about Dallin Hayden. Um, I would hate to be you know, the Wolverines in that situation, you know, to, to rely on CJ Stokes, at least Dallin Hayden has played more, at least from, from my perspective. He has, uh, Stokes has played in 10 games. He's carried it 53 times. He's, uh, but if these guys are out, he may get more reps and may, it may be, it may look better than it did against Illinois. If he's getting more reps, we'll see. We'll see. And then J.J. McCarthy, he likes to take off with the football. He's got three rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's averaging four and a half yards a carry almost. So uh, that's a guy who the Buckeyes will need to spy on. This is going mm-hmm. to be, be a very pivotal game for Steel Chambers, I think. I completely agree. So Steel's going to be the guy who's got he's got the speed to run down J.J. McCarthy. JJ's, he's an elusive runner because he's quick. He's got pretty good speed, and he gets to that top speed pretty quickly. Um, it's going to be incumbent on somebody like Steel Chambers to take good, uh, you know, take good angles and make sure tackles because he's he's going to be relied upon because the 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 speed in the interior defense there's not a ton of it there, but they do they do play the three safeties, so they do have a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra speed there from from what would normally be one of the linebacker positions. And uh, and Steel Chambers gives you more speed than you probably have had at linebacker in a while. And I'm anticipating seeing more three linebacker, maybe even some four linebacker sets from Jim Knowles. I think we're going to see some wrinkles that we have not yet seen. Well, I hope they work, Chip. <laughs> I hope those wrinkles work. <laughs> All right. So uh, let us one uh, final thing. We'll talk a little bit about the receiving. You mentioned Ronnie Bell earlier uh, Ronnie Bell's got 641 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He's averaging 13 plus yards per catch. So uh, he's the big guy, but uh, Luke Schoonmaker and, and Colston Loveland make a lot of catches underneath and turn them into first downs. Um, they've gotten some pretty good production out of uh, Cornelius Johnson and um, Roman Wilson as well. So uh, they're, they're, they do have some ability um, maybe not the, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones types, uh, but but Ronnie Bell is legit, and uh, I, it'll be interesting to see who Ohio State puts on him. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that might be a job for Mr. Cameron Brown. That's just, I mean, just my observation there. We'll have to see, but it'll be interesting. Uh, it always is, and this 
the other thing is that it doesn't matter if Michigan's played anybody. This is a, they got a taste of, of the good life last year and they want to prove that it wasn't a fluke. And meanwhile, Ohio state's looking for revenge. And of course it won't be CJ's first start in the game and he will be at home. So, um, you know, they're going to be counting on some help from the crowd and hopefully I didn't even look ahead to see what the weather's going to be like, but hopefully it'll be nice enough that uh, CJ can spread the ball around a little bit. Uh, but really for me, this game comes down to just pure and simple. Can Ohio state stop the run? If they can stop the run, I like their chances to maybe even win by two scores. Yeah. It always comes down to blocking and tackling. I mean, for all of the sophisticated offensive and defensive schemes and personnel, you know, which team can run the ball, which team can shut down the other team's run. And that's, I mean, that's been the name of the game since, you know, since you and I were, were younger watching this and, and that has not changed. Yeah. You will, you will also see, I'm going to predict two to three uh, gadget plays from Jim Harbaugh in this game. You've got to survive those as well. This is the time to do it. Um, you know, you know, you want to, you want to win that division. If you have something special saved up, now's the time. Uh, this is not a game where you can have delay of game penalties. It's not a game where you can throw away a, a timeouts unnecessarily either. So it'll be incumbent upon the Buckeyes to get out and get their play, get it called, get lined up properly, make whatever site adjustments they're going to make, and all do all of that within the confines of the play clock. Let's hope that uh, keeping an eye on the play clock, clock excuse me, has been uh, has been drilled into CJ. You know, considering he's back in the the friendly confines of Ohio stadium. And let's hope that Ryan day has at least passed along the message to at least one of his staff members that if that thing gets under five, let me hear it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because if, if Ryan's not going to look at the clock, someone else needs to be informing him. We're under five coach. (laughs) And then he can make the assessment. Are we going to get the playoff or are we not? One of the things that always drove me crazy was that, that timeout that gets called right as the ball is snapped. It's like, well, the team was, they were fine. They were getting the playoff and then you just called the timeout. Right. But uh, it it will be important. Uh, I wouldn't really even mind seeing Ohio state go tempo in this game at times. They might, they might. We haven't really seen it this year. And that's been a thing in the past for this team. I think it just really depends on if they, if they feel that they can take advantage of Michigan's defensive personnel. I, I think it just really t- comes down to who they see on the field and what they can possibly do to take advantage of it. Yeah, don't let them sub on third down, that kind of thing. Yeah, get lined up and, and go. All right, Chip, it's that time. we got to put our money where our mouth is. we got to make our picks to click, and then we'll give our score predictions. And last week, we started on the offensive side of the ball. So we're starting on defense, Chip. Who do you got? Who's your pick to click? I'm going Steel Chambers. You talked about him earlier, and in my mind, no disrespect to Tommy Eichenberg of the of the two broken hand magic that he has been playing with, but for the reason that that JJ McCarthy, the elusiveness that he presents as a mobile quarterback, I think that Steel Chambers is going to be very very involved in trying to slow down, if not McCarthy, the the perimeter running game. So I think this is a big game for Steel Chambers to step up. 
Yeah, I I opened my mouth and I, I led you right to steel chambers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a great pick. Um, it's it's been an interesting year for the defense. It's been, you know, you look at the defensive line and they've played well, but they haven't all played well in the same game. You've had games where Michael Hall has dominated. You've had plays where Zach Harrison has dominated. You've had a, a Jack Sawyer game. You've had a JT Tuimoloau game. Um, you've had a, a Teron Vincent game here and there but you haven't had one where everybody's clicking. So I'm going to avoid the defensive line like the plague as a result. And I'm going to take my own advice from earlier in the show, and I'm going to take Lathan Ransom. All right. I like it. I Broken think Lathan Ransom. All, he's been making some plays. And he's physical. And that's the style of play that they're going to need against Michigan. That's a good, that's a good pick. Yeah. All right. So let's turn our attention to the offensive side. And I was... <sighs> disappointed let's just use the word disappointed chip i was disappointed last week when i had to uh, on twitter just throw out into the universe that i'm pretty sure cade stover is still an eligible receiver (laughs) because they sure as heck did not want to use him last week right i think there's a method to that madness chip and i think this is the game of the tight end and i'm going to take cade stover in hopes that there's five catches in him and maybe a touchdown or two. Okay. Very respectable. I, I like it. All right. What do you got? As tempting, and I am so tempted to take Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm thinking this is going to be the game for Dallin Hayden. I think the injury to Mayan Williams, um, as well as I, I – you know, like Tra- Travion Henderson, which we talked about earlier. I think Dallin Hayden, this he's going to show some people, okay, he's going to hit the hole decisively, go north and south, and I think that's going to prove to be the difference in this game for Ohio State running the ball. Okay. Well, that's interesting because, you know, we've the Michigan game usually brings out the best in somebody, and it, it usually launches somebody. Remember, famously, it launched Chris Olave. That's true. Uh, so we'll see if it's the, this is the launching of Dalen, uh, Dallin Hayden this year. And, um, that would not be bad because we don't really know what's gonna, what's happening in the running back room after this year. We think we're going to have some people back, but, uh, Dallin Hayden could, could lay, uh, lay claim to that. I mean, he's, it wouldn't be the first time that somebody has taken advantage of injuries in the, in the position group to seize a job. I mean, that's, that's how you had Dwayne Haskins beating out Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Precisely. So, um, you know, and it, which I'm people still, I think are still confused about is how could you, how could you let Joe Burrow go? It's like, well, he got hurt and Dwayne Haskins took advantage of it and, and was, and when you look at Dwayne Haskins stats and his insane year that he had his one year as a starter, it's really hard to argue with it. Exactly. So here we are with score predictions, Chip. Last one of the regular season. What's your your prediction, buddy? I'm going Ohio State 35, Michigan 28. All right. Is that an overtime? I'm I'm saying that's in regulation. I think um, I'm not, uh, you know, nothing against what we've been talking about in terms of Michigan's running game. I think they're going to, they're going to, have success, but I think Ohio State, you know, in in terms of like with Jim Knowles, I have confidence that they're going to do enough to 
caused some frustration there. And I think um, Ohio State, they're going to have enough offensively that, I mean, it's going to be di- difficult for the Wolverines to keep pace. So I'm, you know, I, I think the spread right now is like point spreads, like seven and a half. I, I just think this is going to be a close game all the way throughout. I'm going 35, 28 in regulation. It's always a close game seemingly. Um, and I think it opened as a 10 point spread. Right. And has shrunk ever since then. Those folks in Vegas built a lot of big, tall, shiny buildings for a reason they kind of know what they're doing so uh i think it's going to be a close game i i think that maybe there's a late score to make it even closer but i i'm going to go uh 34 30 close game with ohio state just edging michigan and uh and i also think that's going to be in regulation but um yeah, it's one of those things, right? I don't know what's going to happen in terms of can can Ohio State get off the field on third downs. Michigan is very good at getting to third and two, mm-hmm. where they almost are guaranteed to pick up two yards with the their offensive line. So it's really incumbent on Jim Knowles' defense to keep Michigan at at least five or six yards to go on third down. Um, you know, a good chunk of the time because. Michigan will run the football in that situation as well. They, I think they ran the ball on a third and nine last week in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, uh, which set up one of the fourth downs they, they had to go for, but, uh, and they will go for fourth downs too. So if they, if you stop them on a third and two and they get within, you know, half yard, they, they're just going to line up and go after it again. Yeah. I, again, we've Ohio state in order to win this game, they have to make first down contested. They cannot, allow Michigan to line up on, you know, like on second down with, you know, second and three or second and four, because again, whole playbook is open and more than likely it's going to be a run. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to have to get some TFLs to, uh, to put Michigan behind the chains a few times here and there, even if they get like a, a four yard run on first down, if you can get a two yard loss on second down, then you're setting up, you know, where, where again, McCarthy has to make a play and, uh, like sit on the underneath stuff, have some safeties over the top, um, make McCarthy prove he can throw accurate passes down the field. Sounds like a good strategy to me. All right. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks, Chip. <laughs> that's uh, that's why I'm a consultant for uh, Ryan Day. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you got something else you want to talk about. I think we've talked ourselves uh, through the regular season. No, I um, want to wish you and all of our listeners a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the holiday. I know this can be a, a stressful time of year in terms of like with travel and dealing with family and all that, but mm-hmm. hopefully everyone truly finds the, the the holiday spirit as it relates to, you know, the meaning of, you know, Thanksgiving. And uh, again, um, my thanks to you for all of the hard work that you do behind the scenes with the podcast um, and look forward to a great game on Saturday afternoon. All right. Well, next week we will come back and we will talk about this game and we will look ahead to whatever's next, whether that's the big 10 championship game, whether that's uh, bowl selections or whatever uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be nerve-wracking Saturday, I think. It will be nerve-wracking. Yeah. That is so, true. So enjoy 
your family, enjoy your, your Thanksgiving feast and, and, and try to take your mind off it until kickoff on noon uh, at noon on Saturday at the shoe. Uh, those of you who are going, please travel safely. Uh, Chip, where can people find you online? As of this recording, I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick, last name spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. Look for an article on Land Grant Holy Land to be dropping at noon on Black Friday, something to divert you from your shopping um, and your leftovers. Uh, three things to watch from the Michigan Wolverines. Okay. Uh, you can find me also on Twitter at Mike36Fan. You can follow Silver Bullets Podcast on Twitter at Silver, S-I-L-V-R, no E, at Silver Bullets Pod. Again, no E in the silver part of Silver Bullets Pod. Uh, you can also find me at Land Grant Holy Land. I am the grumpy old Buckeye. My Maryland piece dropped on Monday, and it's very lengthy because I was very old and very grumpy on Saturday. So go see all the things that made me tear out what was left of my hair. And uh, well, you, can, <laughs> you can find my, my column again about Michigan next Monday. Again, legitimate reasons to to be grumpy. Yes, and you're not you're not old. You're not. <laughs> All right, you're only saying that because we're similar age. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and also please feel free to drop us an email. Uh, nobody did this week, but you can hit us up at silverbulletspod at gmail That will have an e in it, so it's a regular spelling: silverbulletspod at gmail Let us know how we're doing. Say hello. Uh, ask us a question. We'll answer it on the next show, whatever you want. Uh, just uh, let us hear from you. It'd be great. Looking forward to talking about what I believe is going to be a hard fought, but enjoyable victory. Yeah. And in the meantime, everybody go watch lots and lots of highlights and, and past games on, uh, on big 10 network on the SPN plus all of the, any place you can find them there, there's going to be a ton of them on big 10 network. I got to think this, this week, uh, the, the Ohio state classics don't watch. If it says Michigan classics, don't watch those ones. <laughs> that's, that's good programming right there. Good wanna, programming wanna, advice. Yeah. You don't want to watch those. If it says Michigan classics and it's, it's the game, just run, run away from go. that. Go there find go. uh uh, go watch that thing with the, where we don't talk about Bruno or something. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Very good uh, point. We'll be back next week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to David Wokers from Maze and Brew uh, for his expertise on the team from up north. And we'll see you next week. The only thing we have left to do is to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.